0: Hello and welcome to Eastrop and Get the Movies. I'm Mike and I'm Jose. And we've been to see The Equalizer 2, which is a sequel to The Equalizer yes. from 2014, I think. That's right. Which was Antoine Fuqua and Denzel Washington teaming up yes. again. they had done training Day before that. That's right. Um, I don't think they've done another film.
1: They've done The Magnificent 7 subsequently. Oh, yeah. So it's their fourth teaming.
0: I've not seen that one. Um the Equalizer was about this guy Robert McCall, who is like ex sort of special forces military type of mm. something, something sort of secret servicey. Yes. Um, and uh, he, it was something about him being dead or thought to be dead, and that he kind of uses that as a reason to get out. But then he finds himself put, and his wife has died, and he's sort of, sort of slightly advancing years, and then. Um, there's something about a teenage sex worker who's, who's sort of sex uh, slave I guess um, played by Chloe Grace Moretz and he basically sort of avenges her or something I don't remember it that well but I remember really enjoying it and I remember enjoying the idea of the main character being essentially a kind of flawless person like it, he's he's kind of troubled about things in the past but he's he he's just he's perfect he always does the right thing and he's Really good at fighting. <laughs> and-
1: All throughout uh, the movie, when I was watching it, I was thinking how, um, you know, Denzel Washington is the, the greatest black star in history. I mean, I think he is actually, you know, at least one of the greatest of the last 20 years of any uh, race. But, uh, but you know, I, th- I think he is just the greatest representation of black masculinity on screen, you know, ever. And that, you know, includes Sidney Poitier, whom I, I grew up with and love beyond all measure. But I think just in terms of the types of roles and the range of roles that he's represented and, you know, his abilities as an actor and what he signifies and, you know, the intelligence of all of his choices and you know, sustaining a career for such a long time, because when we think of Sidney Poitier, you know, we're basically thinking like, you know, from 57 to about 71 or something, right? That was like, Mm. you know, um, from the time that he did, I forget what it's called, the film, but uh, uh, with Tony Curtis, where they're chained together, they escape from prison chained together, you know, which I think he was nominated for an Oscar for that and, it really catapulted him into box office stardom, uh, to the early '70s when, really, uh, you know, he was doing those 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 uh, films aimed at black audiences. Then, he really shifted gears and became more of a director. Uh, but Denzel now, you know, he's had a he's had a, a starring career since the mid '80s, probably. I, you know he was he won the Academy Award for Glory, and I think that was. Late 80s, 88, 86? Uh, shall I find out for yes, you? Yes, please. You know, because of the times uh, uh, changing, Denzel Washington had access to a greater range of roles. Mm. Uh, and also, you know, but, but, but he still does them with the same kind of, you know, charm and charisma and dignity, but actually arguably with a, with a much greater range of an actor and, and certainly a much greater range of roles. You know, so I think he's like one of the most significant uh, um, stars uh, uh, in history, really, not just you know amongst his his contemporaries um, glory, so, was 1989. glory was nineteen eighty nine glory was nineteen eighty nine yeah um and and I think uh, during that period he did what what mo better blues and with with Spike Lee
0: yeah, mo better blues um Malcolm x of course yes. Um, much about nothing, Philadelphia.
1: Philadelphia was a, an enormous success. Um, uh, anyway, he's been around for a long time, playing many different kinds of things. Uh, and I don't know how old he is now, but you know he looks he looks around sixty. Um, and you know he's still doing this this type of part with enormous gusto. Sixty three and uh, and skill and charisma you know he's, really, he's just a pleasure to look at he should team up with Liam Neeson
0: all <laughs> <laughs> men go on the rampage listen
1: you know Denzel is so far superior to Liam Neeson they, they don't belong in the same yeah, but he, d- he doesn't
0: have a catchphrase though
1: uh, I'm sure he does to some people I'd be able to quote you one
0: <laughs> I suppose it, well there's certainly a few quotable lines from Training Day but um, uh, so let's talk about The uh, Equalizer 2 in particular um, so this film starts off with McCall uh, in kind of this sort of retirement semi retirement kind of well and semi pretending to be dead situation yes. living in a small kind of flat complex and there's a, there's a real kind of sense of community around it um, but he's also kind of on the on the down low, still doing the right thing in quite a quite a violent way um, the, the film early on you see him retrieving this mm. girl who's been kidnapped.
1: Yes. Um, the he's an avenger. The right. He avenges injustice. So he's hiding away, you know, he's pretending he's dead. He's using the ability of being dead as a, as a means of recharging uh, and, you know, also as a kind of safety, I suppose. Um, but he can't help himself from writing what he sees as injustice. Mm. In in a sometimes very violent way.
0: Yeah. Well, I seem to recall at the end of the first film, he kind of advertises himself as the Equalizer. So after he's gone through what the first film takes him through, he he like he puts an ad in the paper or something saying the Equalizer, call me like the right. A Team, you know, if you can find them, <laughs> right. then you can call the Equalizer. I don't uh, um,
1: I don't remember that though. I I remember seeing the film.
0: Uh, that's a snippet, oh. I think. But but this film this film um, suggests that well, for instance, when he saves the girl. His, the girl's mum doesn't know, yes. you know so somehow he's found out about this and, he's, and he's, when he sees the girl uh, later he, he says shh don't yes. tell anyone yes, so there's cute. something kind of secret about it and, and yeah it is cute as well Yes, um, and uh, you, he, he, he is a community figure in a way there's this real sense of harmony Yes. To a lot of the film, and actually, it's kind of surprisingly gentle. There are there are bursts of violence, and, and there is a darker plot that works its way into the film, of course. But um, when you see the way his his life, the way he conducts himself, and the way he conducts his life, there's a great deal of harmony. So, for instance, um, one of the women, or the, one of the characters with whom he lives in this complex, is this Muslim woman, and you and you see in a very deliberately composed shot, they live opposite a synagogue. Mm. And there's just it's like that's all that's made of it, no. which is nothing, but it just suggests this kind of sense of harmony and people living alongside each other in this harmonious way, mm. which is kind of pleasant, really yes um, and he uh he he is a mentor of sorts, um, or a slight father figure or slight or at least he's attempting to be to this young lad who's uh probably sixteen, seventeen years old, who is kind of slightly being drawn towards. Yeah, um, the darker side of urban life and drugs. Yeah, he's on the cusp quarters. of trouble, right? Uh, and his brother was shot, mm. so Denzel, from what I recall, is trying to keep him away from that. Mm. Um, I mean, and it's kind of it's it's a which is, it's a plot point that makes its way into the into the main thrust of the film, I suppose, because he becomes um, that 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 young lad becomes the something that he, he has to protect right at the end. That's what makes him vulnerable? But um, But for a long time, it's really just a separate thing. It's just about developing McCall's character and showing you who he is and what he'll do to do the right thing and and try and keep someone on the right path and this sort of thing.
1: I think it's an extraordinary film, actually, because, um, you know, on the one hand, you can look at it as just almost a superhero film. It's an action movie. But there were many elements of it that I found quite moving. Hmm. Yeah, so actually, human relationships get kind of really developed... And actually, they're, they're kind of quite rounded, yep. really. Uh, there's quite a lot of them. So, you know, he's got a, a friend of his wife's who he's in touch with, you know, and you get a sense of a real kind of ease and a long term relationship. And, mm. you know, it's kind of it's wonderful work by the actors, actually, it's Melissa Leo. Melissa Leo, yes. Yeah. She was uh, from
0: the first film as well. Yes. And, and the other thing is, she is his sort of contact mm. within the government that helps him find information, so on and so forth. So, yeah. she's not just an old acquaintance, but she is that too.
1: Yes. Um, but anyway, the actors bring a depth, like you get the sense that these people have a history and mm. kind of you know, um, so
0: and you see it in their skin as well, particularly with those two. Melissa Leo's got the you know, got this wrinkly old face basically, and Denzel Washington, it's in his hands, yes, his hands are lived in and aged, yes, and the way he kind of moves his wedding ring from one finger to the other mm. suggests this this feeling of him having lived in like he's got a life mm. that, that extends back in, in his memories but also like his body is kind of lived in yes you know he's not a young man anymore no. and, and actually when you get to the end of the film or the final set piece where they he returns to where he used to live on this um, small town that's set on based on sort of an island mm. um, and it's and it's there's a storm there so everyone's being evacuated you get this sense of like driving through memories mm. And, and and the memories themselves being kind of under siege yes. by
1: this storm. Oh, that's a lovely way of putting it. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful mise-en-scene, actually, by Antoine Fuqua. All of those scenes, like, you know, from the middle of the film onwards, you get this sense of disturbance. Leaves are always moving. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's kind of, you know, and you, you get a sense that it's autumn, but it's ominous and... You know, and then kind of this storm brewing becomes almost like a state of mind and builds and builds and builds until the end, where actually, you know, there is there is literally a storm, you know, and the wind is such and the mm. fog is such and so on, that actually sometimes you can't see clearly what's happening, you know. Oh yeah, it's of really reaction. overwhelming at points. Yeah. yeah, and so, and it's lovely to see how structured it is, you know, how kind of, you know, mm. it becomes like an element in the film, you know.
0: What McCall does for a living is drive a lift car. Yeah. Um. So he, he uh, he's a cabbie, and um, there's this wonderful sort of opening where it's it's really just a montage of him in the car listening to people's stories. Yes. So people are in the back seat and he sees them in the rearview mirror and they are celebrating their graduation or a new baby or they're saying you know I'll see you soon or, or they're rehearsing and, for a job or, or, yeah or, and the one guy is going off to Iraq which was a little bit of a yeah moment where he says you know, yes I'll be here to pick you up when you come back
1: yes the film is not a perfect so one of the things that is, you know because I think it's such a highly skilled film and Denzel is really magnificent in it um, and and it's got elements of mise-en-scene that I think are just wonderful and some shots are just superb and then there's, there are elements where it just almost edges onto... Well, it, it crosses the line, actually, not just the edges, of cliché or cheap sentimentality, right? The Iraq cabbie was one of those elements,
0: really. I mean, that's, that's the one that stands out of me, and to be honest, it's, it's, I, and it's also not as bad as it could be. I mean, the, the line that you're dreading hearing in that brief conversation is, thank you for your service. Yes. Which is what he doesn't say. What he says is, "Is it your first tour?" And the kid goes, "Yeah," and and there's a there's a pause. You know, he doesn't say it immediately. He's kind of he's he. You can tell that, that Denzel's character is processing this, and he he's basically scared for the kid, really worried for him. and, yes. and that's when he kind of picks up his courage, plucks up his courage to say, "I'll be her here to pick you up when you get back." Which is nice. It's nice. So it, it, it but treads that line. It
1: treads that line. The other... I mean, there's
0: not too many and It stays scenes. on the right side of it there.
1: it's it, There are not too many scenes like this, right? I don't want to make too much of an issue of it. I'm only kind of commenting on them because they stand out hmm. in, in the overall scheme of what is a very tactful, you know, and beautiful and moving film, I think. But that scene stood out for me as just like... Ugh, you know, and the scene with the kid at the end... Going to art school and talking to... Going to school and talking about him drawing Super girl. I thought that was sweet. You thought that was sweet? I thought it was icky. But anyway, that was just those two moments, right? Yeah, it
0: is just those two moments. And yeah, right? it <laughs> moment. it's a two-hour film or so. It's, you know, and, and actually, what, what I think is interesting about it... I remember the first film being much more uh, exciting, really, is the word. Much more pacey. Um, and much more of a, of a quote unquote traditional sort of action slash revenge movie. Yes. Um, and this has elements of that, but actually it's so gradual.
1: It's gradual, and actually, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't like the way that the action was filmed here. Right. You know, I, it was done in that style that I don't like, you know, which is um, that you just see parts of bodies, right? Mm. You never see somebody actually doing the action. So you know you 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 have an arm block and or you have something blocking and you know then kind of you move to the body but it's all chopped up in too many ways that actually means that you can't see a person doing anything Uh, or even feeling the danger. So I didn't. I don't think the action is the most significant part of this film. No, Um, I think you know the film kind of creates this mood. It's it's actually a film about. You know, to borrow Spike Lee's words, it's about doing the right thing, right? It's kind of, mm-hmm. yeah? Uh You know, within the recognition that people don't and that life is complex and, you know, that people uh, make the wrong choice, you know, and so on. But actually, kind of, the film also has a kind of, uh, an imperative of, you know, trying to make up for bad choices or doing the wrong thing or you know, insisting that there's a price to be paid for doing the wrong
0: thing. So it's kind of a very moral film. There is an element of that I think is unconvincing when he figures out who the bad guy is in this and he has a conversation with him. Um, The bad guy's talking about there being no such thing as right and wrong, really. We're just people doing shit, That's what he says. And, of course, Denzel doesn't really believe that. Um, But um, there's something that the guy says to him about... Uh, haven't you, don't you think you've made mistakes that are that should sentence you to hell, something like that? And Denzel says a thousand times over, mm. or something, and um, that line is something that I just kind of don't believe. Like, I, I, I guess maybe he's just talking about his previous career as a as a killer um, for the government. Well, I don't. I but I, he, mean, like, I, he,
1: I don't think he says that because you know he was saying. Um, the, so the Carlos Leon character says you know basically we used to be told to kill people and we did you know now we we get asked to kill people and we do you know and the only difference is that now we get paid for it mm. that's and um, yeah so that's the argument that the bad guy is trying to make but I don't think um, it's an argument that's fully convincing to Denzel I mean I think you know But there's an element of doubt; it becomes ambiguous because, but you at least get the feeling that at the moment he was doing it, he thought he was doing it for a greater good. Yeah. Uh, So, I think
0: I think I found this. I found something unconvincing about that, and I guess it's also partly to do with um, the nature of what the bad guys' kind of motivations are, which I think are pretty staid and. it's not to say they have to be original, but we have seen them before and they're not particularly brilliantly expressed. Basically the idea of maybe having been corrupted by the job that he was doing for the government and being disillusioned by it and also being thrown on the trash heap. I saying think, we don't need you anymore and he takes and he doesn't like that.
1: I think the film misses an opportunity in not um, writing the Carlos Leon character in a more complex and interesting manner. Yes. Yeah. And in not showing him to greater advantage, because I've seen Carlos Leon in other in other films, and I'm just bowled over by him. I think he's like you know this huge star in waiting, mm. at, or I've been thinking yeah. that, right? And then you watch this film and you go, oh, I was wrong, right? Mm. And actually, I don't think I was wrong. I just think you this know, one doesn't show him off. This thing doesn't show him off to advantage, you yeah. know, because he's been fantastic and explosive, even in really shitty things like um, you know what was. Um,
0: I don't know, but I'll find out for you.
1: Yes, he was in that Chinese film with Oh god, the guy who Um
0: Carlos Leon. Yes. You mean Pedro Pascal?
1: Sorry, Pedro Pascal.
0: <laughs> I was wondering, I didn't see him in the cast list.
1: Uh yeah um Who who's in Bourne? Jeremy Renner. No, the other one. Matt Diamond. Yeah. So the, Matt, the film, the, the Chinese film with Matt Damon. Oh, it
0: was, uh, war or something. or other.
1: Yeah, he was completely <laughs> charismatic and and dazzling in that. The Great Wall. Yes, right. Um, and also on television. Oh, he was
0: in Kingsman Two as well. That's where I recognize him.
1: From. Yes, you know, <laughs> and he was very good in that. Yeah, he was great. Right. And also, of course, Narcos. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Um, which is
1: brilliant, though. in right. So, so I think the film. Uh, doesn't do the character justice and then doesn't do the actor justice, really. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found really fantastic about the film, aside from it being a film with a kind of a serious moral project, mm-hmm. right? It's a film that's also kind of positing a view of society which is so opposite to what the current American government is positing as to be almost. Contestatory, or an act of rebellion against, you know, the dominant way of thinking now. So you touched on it earlier, where you know there was like the Muslim woman in the garden, and you know he passes by in synagogue, and then you know at the end you see a a, a mural with Frederick Douglass, you know, and you and know, one, the, and one
0: of his friends that he gives lift to is this old Jewish man who he helps reunite
1: with his with sister, his- you know, uh, and. Uh, you know, what he gives to read to the young boy is ta Coates, right, who wrote Black Panther uh, and, you know, many other things, right? So, you know, the, and, and you know, underlying themes of, like, education and, and so on, right? So the film has a really kind of serious project and a view of being in the world that's entirely the opposite of a government, you know, which engages in disinformation and, you know, is only for the rich and so on. You know, and actually it's very interesting that this film has this idea, this contestatory idea, I think, against the government and for an inclusive society uh, that values intersectionality and education, you know, and values learning from the past. And also
0: requires the people to actively participate, I kept thinking about um, uh, the idea of community organisation, mm. which is a really American idea. We don't see it so much over mm. here. It's a really, really American idea of just getting involved in your community and and doing and, and, and organising your community and doing things just for you. I remember uh, there was a whole thing about when um, Barack Obama was running for president the first time and people were just learning who he was. One of the things was that he was a community organiser Back yes. in the day, and of course, the Republicans were saying, "What? What's a community organizer? That's meaningless." Mm. But it's not like it's actually it's when we talk about kind of grassroots politics. That's exactly what it is. It, it makes is makes very, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, and this film has an ethos of that in a way. Yes, with the with the painting of the wall, and we're not going to get some company to do it. We're doing it ourselves with hard work mm. and a toothbrush. Yes,
1: you know, I loved all of that about the film, um, and I also loved that, you know, because the the Denzel Washington character in this movie, is very meditative, right? So I don't know if you noticed, but, you know, he doesn't listen to music. There's no TV, Mm. right? You know, what we see him do is reading and thinking, Mm. you know? And there is, like, the self-improvement ethos. So, you know, one of the things is he's read the list of 100 great books, Right. That was
0: for his wife, right? Well, that was from the first film where his wife died and he said he, he vowed to read all these books for her, basically. Right. Okay, and, well, what, and, it was, and you're right, it had an ethos of self-improvement about it.
1: Yes. Um, so, uh, but actually, you mentioning that is interesting because you know, if he finished the last book, which was Proust's In Search of Lost Time, hmm. was you know, the last book on his list, then you know, that ties in with the themes of the film as well. Yeah, kind of in search of lost time. The time is lost and he's in search of it. But actually, it's the last book on the list, so it's a moment to kind of move on, to move your wedding ring from one side of your hand to the other, right? Like, mm. kind of all of those things kind of connect in very interesting ways and obviously, you know, kind of ways that are that are thought through. Mm. Um, so...
0: I don't think it's what anyone would have expected from a sequel to the first film, although the first film had those elements. This film's really steeped in them. Yes. It is a really meditative film. Yes. For a film that is about a certain amount of revenge and killing and ends with this huge action set piece. Yes. Um
1: Um It's it's definitely a fascinating film. Um, you know, and I think it kind of one it, it's increased my respect for Antoine Foucault as a director, actually. You know, because I thought like, you know, some of the some of the shots were marvelous. Um and you know that's one of the reasons why I waited at the end and I just wanted to know who had filmed it right well, I mean I'll forget <laughs> uh, I, can, I can find out for you please do <laughs> uh,
0: the cinematographer was Oliver Wood who I yes. think was in Harry Potter Oliver Wood has he was D.O.P oh he's been going since the late 60s right um, let me see uh, Die Hard 2
1: Okay, well, I love that. Bill heartbeat. and Ted's
0: Bogus Journey, Sister Act 2, um, Mr. Holland's Opus, Face Off, uh, U571, The Bourne Identity. Well, he's done a lot of great films. The Bourne Supremacy, and I assume, yep, The Bourne Ultimatum.
1: Okay, well, that might explain some of the action sequences. <laughs> 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 they were too <laughs> borny for me. <laughs> uh,
0: Ben-Hur recently, and Jack Reach and Never Go Back. Right. So that's his... That's a, a potted history of Oliver Wood, the cinematographer, all
1: right uh, well, I think he did a fantastic job here actually um, so
0: and I was saying to you like i, I like I like antoine Foucault's 's aesthetic of um, very long lenses, shallow focus, kind of rich lighting and contrast, these kind of very imposing intimidating close ups that you get of people from the cameras kind of below them, and they 're looking across the table mm. at someone else facing off. And like, it has that feeling of, quote-unquote, a film. You think of what a film looks like. That's kind of what Fuqua's aesthetic is, in a yes. way. And I just I love it. Like, yes, it's, I love it. it they, they, the, his films feel big. Yes. You know? They feel like
1: proper movies that are using all the opportunities available to show things in a complex manner on a big screen that makes the most of a big screen. Yeah. Um, so... Um, Maybe it's a good moment to kind of wrap it up and just kind of say, um,
0: emphasize that it's it's really interesting. It's really.
1: I think it's I think it's more than interesting. I think it's it's kind of it 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 almost touches greatness, but it doesn't quite get there. So it's hugely entertaining, uh, and also quite a serious film. Um, you know, that kind of uh, is much more interesting than the advertising. Or the reviews would, would, would have it. Mm. Uh, um, and, but it's it's not quite as great as I would have liked it to have been.
0: No, mm. no, but uh, you know, biggest Comptures, and it's really good. It's really, really good. Mm.
1: <laughs> so we recommend that you go see it. Um, we just celebrated our one-year anniversary. Um, so thank
0: you. Our one-year. Our
1: first year. Sorry. <laughs> Bastard. Uh, uh, our first English is not my first language, so don't make fun of me. Yeah, he says how you grown up in <laughs> No, no. Uh,
0: uh, well, which language is it? Spanish. No, I mean, which language is English? Is it your second or third? Uh, it's my third. French before English? Yes. Fucking fucking Canadians, man.
1: Yes. You should include something. <laughs> um, it's anyway. It's our first anniversary. It's our first anniversary. Uh, um, now I forgot what I was saying because you were making fun of me so it's our <laughs> first anniversary we've had lovely feedback which we really appreciate uh, uh, from all of you uh, and part of the purpose of well there was two purposes of for this podcast really one I wanted this sense of you know giving people the option of just eavesdropping you know on a conversation by two movie lovers on something and, you know because I often felt this particularly you know if If you love movies but don't always have someone to go with uh uh to the movies you know it's always kind of just nice to kind of get a sense of what other people are are thinking yeah in a kind of a less formal and structured way than a review which you know can have all all kinds of agendas Um, and i wanted it to be like a kind of a pure movie going thing yeah that kind of so we've not read reviews and you know, we haven't talked about it even amongst ourselves, we just come immediately from the film and kind of tell you what we think. Uh, so um, I wanted to, 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 to give people you know, that option of having that available to them. Uh, but I also just kind of wanted to really engender or incur or spark kind of a continuing conversation on the movies. right? Uh, and of course kind of for that you know your feedback and or your comments is, are kind of an essential part of kind of you know keeping the I was going to say loop but I meant more like a, spa- a spiral of discussion uh, uh, on these movies going lovely <laughs> I'm bored even Mike with that so <laughs> thank you very much for listening cheerio uh, bye bye uh,